What's going on, folks? How's it going? Happy How Tuesday. How are we doing today? I'm getting back into it. I'm feeling good. Traveling a bit this weekend, kind of all over the place, but back at it, back in the saddle. Oh, yeah. Looking clean and mean, Vicky. Looking clean and mean. Clean and mean. Good, yeah. I guess I, <laughs> I guess I trimmed my beard up a little bit. Had to see oh. people not on camera. Uh, how's it going? What's your highest performing topic so far? Anything sticking out? Been? Yeah, anything unexpected. One one thing, especially as we get to like day 17, day 18, what you'll find is you're, you're gathering more data, more things are starting to stick out. Um, potentially finding topics that you never thought you'd want to write about that the market's saying there's interest in. That's always a good one around this time. So drop in the chat. What do we got? Hmm. Music is always five. That's right. Oh, I appreciate that, Matt. Thank you. Writing about ship 30. Crickets. Interesting. Can't find my lane yet. It's all right. I've been doing this for two years. I still haven't found my lane. Abundance mindset. That's a good one. Something I'm trying to learn more about. Fear of a limiting life. Ten things I do as president of Cyprus. Snitch. <laughs> Mindful productivity. Ease. Digital social media trends in 2022. Awesome, Derek. Hmm. Life mastery. 25-year vision. Cool, Jude. I'd like to hear more about that at some point. Speaking... Followers are runners. Cool. Mistakes I made as a new leader and how to avoid them. It's always so a good little hack, Alvaro. Alvaro. Product management, product discovery, Web3 education. That's going to be a hot one. I think a lot of people are interested in that right now. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about analytics next week. That's Tuesday's session next week. We're going to kind of dive into the, all the different things you can look at because you're going to have 25 data points by that point. Personal stories. Personal yeah, that's stories cool are great. Too. Awesome. All right, let's go for it. Let's do it. Happy Tuesday, everybody. All right, so some quick logistics today. By the end of the day, you're going to get a little email from us with a survey for um, get, just to get a little more information about your writing goals, what you're really looking to get out of writing on the internet. I think we're going to walk you down some different paths, especially as we think about the, uh, we do love surveys because they're super helpful for us. You're giving us a lot of information. So we appreciate the time. We'll show you what you unlock with this week's survey in that email too. There's, there's going to be some fun stuff with that one, but this one's going to be about just learning more of your goals Um I think everyone kind of has a unique thing, but there are really three or four lanes that you can kind of go through, uh, whether you want to get paid for directly for writing, whether you want to use writing to drive traffic to a business, to clarify your thinking, build an audience, whatever it is. So answering those is super, super helpful for us. So be on the lookout for that. And then Friday's live session, again, 1230 Eastern, same time as last week. We're going to go over some more frameworks for formatting and rhythms um, other than that, always another round of opt-in partner matching. I think as long as you register for that by the end of the day, you can opt in for that and then continue to share your learnings in public. All those are going well. I love Kristen's notes. Every time she posts them, we're seeing a Amazing. ton of them. So um, again, appreciate you guys taking the time to, to answer that survey. Again, it helps us help you. So to the extent that that matters for you, uh, take a minute or two to fill that out today. Will just be one or two questions this week. So that's all I got. Cool. Miss anything? I think that's it. Um, one other thing I just want to throw out there, you know, we are working hard on some really cool type share upgrades. Uh, type share is getting a whole new um, whole new wardrobe coming here in the next couple months. So uh, I encourage, you know, if you're getting used to the platform, um, keep experimenting with it. You know, we love feedback as well. Um, if there's certain features that that you think would be helpful, 
Um, if you notice bugs, things like that, just let us know. But I'm really, really excited to, to share the TypeShare upgrade. So keep a lookout for that as well. Awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's going far, far beyond just a place where you write your atomic essays. That's all we'll say. And it's going to revolutionize a lot of different things. So stick with it. Stick with us. And thanks for being early adopters, helping us uh, iterate across the board. So today, what we want to dig into is everything on the formatting side of things. So we've talked about you know, how to think about digital writing. We've talked about headlines, talked about hooking readers' attention. Um, now today we want to go through the actual formatting of the writing inside the Atomic Essays. Personally, this is, the reason why I love talking about this is because formatting is the easiest way to 10X your writing. It is, you know, headlines take a long time to really figure out, you know, as, as a, I'm sure anyone here who was in the live sessions last week, you know, headlines are a bit of a rabbit hole. Um, there's lots of moving parts, you know, it's a skill that you have to practice. Um, formatting is something where once you see it, it's pretty easy to replicate. And it's one of those things where immediately your writing just becomes 10 times uh, more effective. And one of the things that we like sharing a lot is, especially when you're writing and reading on the internet, readability is skimmability. So the ability for a reader to skim your piece is what dictates whether or not they are going to give you their attention. And that is a very hard pill to swallow for a lot of people, especially the purists of writers. And I, you know, I know them and I consider myself somewhat part of that community as well. Like if you love literature and you love hardcore writing and you've read the greats, like that is such a hard thing to accept, but it's how the internet works. So we're going to walk you through all uh, just a handful of different formatting techniques, uh, a handful of different writing rhythms. These are things that I've found over the years to be really, really effective at just dropping readers into your piece and moving them along. And then at the end, um, we're going to do some breakout rooms and you have the ability to workshop uh, this with some other people as well. So yeah, real quick, as we get into this, if you, if you zoom back, to our very first live session where we talked about kind of the mindset and the, the way of thinking as a digital writer and treating your writing like a startup. So we talked about your solving specific problems. We did that with the endless idea generator. You're gathering attention, focused on distribution with headlines. I want you to think about this as focusing on user experience where formatting and rhythm is what I call empathetic writing where your goal is to make it as easy as possible for your reader to get what you are saying out of whatever it is you're writing. So if to the extent that great products focus on user experience, great writers now focus on reader experience. So that's what this session's all about. It's kind of a new way of, right? Again, this goes every single thing we've talked about with uh, digital writing versus legacy writing is, you know, I might, you might think I shouldn't have to do this, but it's a multiplier on whatever it is you're already doing. So to the extent you take your high quality writing and put some high quality formatting and skimmability and use these little tactics to improve it, uh, they're going to go a long way. So just keep that in mind is when you're hitting publish on things, am I putting myself in the reader's shoes saying, is this easy to read? Because the easier it is for them to read, the more it's going to resonate, the better they're going to follow you and, and just become a loyal reader. Just want to kind of plant that seed as a, a North Star for some of these things we're talking about. That's so well said. Um, something that just to build on that, you know, for, for all my literature folk in here, I'm reading uh, Virginia Woolf right now, The Waves. Okay, this is this is what's considered to be her masterpiece. All right. And it is the most difficult book I've ever read in my entire life. There is nothing enjoyable about reading this. Zero. There is no joy in reading this book. It is 100%. This is a mental workout, okay? And this is how most people approach writing. They go, I want to be the next Virginia Woolf. I want to be the next Hemingway, right? And, and they think, I want to write however I want to write about. And the reader doesn't matter. The reader experience, that's on you. Okay. And you know, if Virginia Woolf is sitting here writing this going, 
I, you know, I only want the people who are willing to suffer for 50 hours to make it through my book to enjoy it, then okay, that's her decision, right? And maybe that worked 50, 70, 100, 100 years ago, right? But this doesn't, this isn't how the internet works. And if you do this to readers, readers are going to go, I don't have time for this. And I saw this yesterday. I finished, I finished reading the book and then I turn and I open my phone and I forgot the last app I had open was TikTok. And it was a TikTok of a cat with a glass of wine with like the Rick Roll song playing. And my brain was like, ah, oh, this feels so nice. Uh, finally, just a cat, a glass of wine and some Rick Roll, right? Like this is how, this is what you're competing against, right? So Dickie, that point is so important is everything has to be engineered to how do I cater to the reader? You don't have to dumb it down, but you have to give them entry points into your writing so that they can fall in love with it. They can start moving within it. They, they can get hooked, right? So here is a great way of kind of starting this process of how do you, how do you welcome the reader into your writing, okay? And how you welcome the reader is with an opener, right? It's the first thing. It's like the way I like explaining it is your friend has a dinner party or a fancy house party, right? You walk in, you open the door. What's the first thing that happens? You know, and your whole experience changes based on you open the door and no one's there to greet you, right? And you're just like, oh, I feel really lonely. This is no one even cares if I'm here, right? Versus you open the door and, you know, someone shows up and is like, here's your glass of wine. Here's your bacon date appetizer and your seats right over there. We know who you are. Come right this way, right? This is what you want to, this is the experience you want to create for your reader, the way you do that is there's a handful of openers that are just tried and true. These are just great openers that anyone can use over and over again. So you've got six of them here, okay? You can either open with a strong declarative sentence. We're gonna walk through examples of each of these. You can open with a thought-provoking question, open with a controversial opinion, a moment in time, a vulnerable statement, or a weird, unique insight, okay? Each one of these is a mechanism all right, this mechanism is something that works. And then your job is to figure out what content do I want to put inside the mechanism that's relevant to what I'm writing about. Okay, so for example, a weird, unique insight, right? If you are a zookeeper and you write about zoos, you might go, hey, weird, unique insight, orangutans do this thing, you know, three times a year. And it causes this crazy thing that no one knows about. Right. And people are like, Whoa, that's, I didn't know that. Whereas a weird, unique insight for me might be like, Hey, did you know that, you know, I'm making it up, whatever, 70% of self-published books, uh, generate a thousand dollars or less in revenue in the first year. Right. And the person goes, Oh, wow. That's really, I, that's interesting. I didn't know that that happened. Right. So it doesn't, don't, uh, think that this is like, oh, this only works if you're writing about productivity. Now, each one of these is a mechanism and you put your own content inside the mechanism. Dickie, anything you want to add? Yeah. So drop in the chat, have you used any of these so far? Are these completely new ideas or have you seen them before? Because to me, it's a, like a lot of the things we share, once you see it, now you can start to kind of investigate other people's writing. So you'll, this kind of, it's like the red pill, blue pill. You, you see things differently now, once you can recognize them. And so now whenever I see something that's gone viral or something that I really resonated with, I almost reverse engineer. How, how did they get me to read this? Because for so many people, they write high quality things, but they don't focus on getting people to actually read it and getting them in and getting them hooked. So whenever I read something that resonates, I always go back up to the top and say, why did this get me to stop scrolling? And then I try to just add that into my mental model for keeping attention. So if you've seen these before or used them before, that's great. But from this day forward, it's gonna be, I have a framework for getting started with anything. And you just, it's another tool in your toolkit. So. Just wanted That's to see exactly how many right. people had thought of it um, before we dive in. And one, one last thing I just want to point out, you just gave me a great idea, Dickie, is 
you know, each one of these things that we share with you, if you notice, this is true for every live session, okay? Each one of these things, they're all just different tools. Think of them like tools in a toolkit or different pieces in a Lego set, right? You can assemble them whichever way you want. And so, for example, if you look at these six openers, you could construct a fascinating piece using all six of these, right? So I open with one strong declarative sentence, you know, something like, uh, if you want to write uh, in the digital age, it has to be in social environments. Okay. Then I go into my intro. Then my next section, thought-provoking question, why is it that so many legacy writers have trouble getting started on the internet? The next section, controversial opinion. I think the real reason is because legacy writers are, are afraid of failure. Next section, moment in time. When I was, you know, how, where did I learn all this? Oh, back in 2008, when I was studying journalism in college, right? And you just start going down the list and all of a sudden each one of these openers can, it's not just an opener for the piece, but it can be an opener for each section that you stack on top of each other. And the reader is sitting there again, it's like building an app, right? The reader doesn't know how you built the app. The reader's just enjoying it. They're going, oh, everything's so smooth. Everything's just leading one to the next. So the reader doesn't know, oh, this guy, this person used six clear openers back to back to back. The reader's just moving down the piece going, this is so fascinating. I'm hooked over and over and over again. So I think it's helpful to, let's go through and look at a bunch of examples here, just so you can see them, uh, out in the wild. So here, strong declarative sentence opener. Just read it out loud and you'll, you'll, it'll be very apparent which one it is. I've made every mistake in business just so you don't have to, right? That is declarative. That is not saying, that is not a sentence that says, you know, some people sometimes do these things, maybe, right? We're not, you don't gain a lot by trying to tow lots of different lines. The best way to introduce a reader to whatever it is that you're sharing is you take your flag, you put it in the ground and you go, this is what we're talking about. And, and if you notice the openers that are wobbly are the ones that are like, sometimes I find that people in life on occasion do things like, right. It's, it's very like wishy-washy. And there's something about that that the reader picks up on and goes, eh, I don't really, I don't know if this is, I don't trust you to take me on this journey. So that strong declarative opener can be really, really effective in, in doing that. Nothing, nothing to add on this one other than like everything, you don't want to limp into these things. You want to take a stand and say, no, I think, no, it seems, no, potentially is just put it out there and take a side and then defend it. Mm -hmm. But Benoit, you asked a great question in the chat, which is how are section titles different from piece titles? So piece titles are, you know, this is the whole journey that we're going to go on from start to finish, right? This is, this is the entire arc of the piece. Section titles are within this arc First, we're going to go from town A to town B. Then we're going to go town B to town C. Then town C to town D. And then we're going to arrive at Happiness Mountain, you know, whatever it is. So each section is, you, you have to tell the reader, hey, before we go around this bend, here's what you can expect. And then, hey, before we take this turn, here's what you can expect. And the more that you do that, the more that you pull the reader along, the easier it is for them to keep buying in. Right. And, and this is, this speaks to, I think, a, a larger point of view that is really helpful, which is when a, when a reader clicks on something that you've written, just because they clicked on it does not mean that they owe you their attention from start to finish. How people read is they, they click and then they start reading and every single sentence they ask themselves, do I want to keep reading? Do I want to stay here? Right. So part of what, you know, the advantage of using these section dividers or kind of separating thoughts with almost little mini openers is you're rehooking the reader over and over again. And the more that you rehook the reader, the more likely they are to keep giving you their attention. Right. But if you just say, oh, I expect you to read the whole thing, 
The reader's like, eh, I got bored halfway through. I'm gone. Right. So it's just really helpful to remember when you're writing. It's not, you can't write from this place of expectation. Oh, I expect the reader to read the whole thing. No, you have to earn their attention every single sentence on the way down. Oh. Let's go to an, another one question opener. So this is a great, you want to talk about like overcoming writer's block. This is an amazing technique for you will never run out of things to write about. I use this opener all the time when I'm working on things where I get stuck. Anytime I get stuck halfway through, I ask myself the next question and I put the question there and then I answer it. So here, do the words you use give things away about you without you realizing it? You know, it's the same thing of if, if you are telling a personal story and you're like, I don't really know what to say next. What question can you answer? You know, what did it feel like to go to school for the first time when you were a kid? You know, what did it feel like to make your first best friend? You know, what, what, what was it like moving towns uh, in the middle of third grade? You know, if you ask yourself a question and then you go on and answer it, it becomes very obvious where the piece is going to go. So you can use this right out the gate at the very top of the piece. You could use it halfway through. You could use it as a conclusion. It's just one of those openers that just gets readers hooked and, and going, oh, okay, that's an interesting question. I want to know your answer to this. I want to keep reading to see how you answer it. I really like this idea of overcoming writer's block with asking questions. And it's what, again, goes back to solving a specific problem. What specific question are you answering? And I've been using this recently and then just copying, pasting it as the intro. Mm -hmm. Have you used this technique, Dickie, in much of your writing? I, not really, no. Hmm. The more I think about it, it's usually, I, I think I use it as a means to get to what I want to start saying, but mm. less as a um, actual framework. Yeah. Which means I should probably start with it. Yeah. It's, it's one where um, it's, that's fine. I just ask because this is one I use all the time. So it's, you can see, you know, it's like some people really gravitate to it. Some people don't, it's fine. It's just an option. So the important thing here is just, again, none of these are like, we're not talking about holy truths here, right? I mean, each one of these are just tools and you figure out how you want to use it. But there is something very, very helpful for saying to the reader, here's a question, and then going on and answering it. So, you know, it's, it's funny because, um, Jesper, I see your comment too, you know, careful with rhetorical questions. I had many teachers uh, when I was studying creative writing in college who said, you know, using questions, it was like a faux pas. It's like, you should never use questions in your writing. But I really found that to be the complete opposite. Writing on Quora uh, really showed me that. Like Quora is a question answer platform. Readers have questions. Writing answers questions. So it can be a really effective technique. Just you have to kind of figure out how you want to use it. But it's a great way to open a piece or to rehook a piece. I, I even more than opening with it, I like using it halfway through a piece and going, I've got your attention, I've got your attention, I'm rehooking it with a question. Now let's go explore it. Mm. All right, this is my personal favorite controversial opinion opener. This one, there are, there are downsides to using gamification. Okay, so this is kind of a spin on the strong declarative sentence, but Anytime you can take whatever you're saying and tilt it in one direction or the other, right? It's going to be more effective for grabbing readers, period. And there's a very basic, I mean, this is kind of like PR 101, is rejecting the premise. If you want to, like, what is the easiest way to get someone's attention? You basically take the status quo and then you say, Here's why that's wrong. And that's, I mean, that's literally it. It's not rocket science. So everyone, you know, is there's, there's some news story circulating and everyone's kind of picking, you know, one overarching side. You go, how, you know, what can I do with this? Oh, okay. Well, reject the premise. Okay. Here's why that's wrong. And then you take the reader down a different path. 
So this controversial opinion opener, I, I want to be clear, this isn't really about shock value. It's not, it's not like, how can I be outrageous? It's more about how can I say something that goes against the grain? And that can be on a wide spectrum. You know, I mean, if you're doing it in politics, that's probably going to be a bit more of a loaded thing, but it, you could be doing it in something super mild, like, you know, Hey, everyone's advice for growing tomatoes at home is this, here's why that's wrong. Right. I mean, you can, it's a very basic universal can be applied to everything. Everyone says that you should focus on time management. Here's why that's wrong. Right. Everyone says you should work hard. No, here's why that's wrong. You know, that's, it's really all it is. So this, here's why that's wrong framework is such an easy way of stopping the reader's train of thought and getting them to reorient. And then you can take them wherever you want to take them. With that, it's also proof that you're saying something different. If you're able to go in and say there are downsides or the way you're currently thinking is this, another is be very declarative with that controversial opinion. So I think downsides to gamification could be strengthened would be, uh, I guess that one's okay, but there, a, a counter example would be if this started with using gamification is sometimes bad or something mm -hmm. like that, where yeah. you're basically hedging your controversial opinion in that very first sentence, like this could be strengthened. Again, I, I haven't, I don't think you want to go all the way down the rabbit hole here of like, don't use gamification. Cause that would be the full other end of the spectrum, but you, you want to be careful with your words to not, you want to get the reader to think or to win them to your way of thinking. So it's not just going out there and saying there, there's some little problems here. They are, it's great, but there's some, some things um, to some to kind of chew on there. Mm -hmm. And and the way you solve that, by the way, is just, you just hint at the benefits, you know, is like, there are downsides to using gamification dash. And if, if done correctly, it can lead to X, Y, Z, you know, you just kind of hint at hint to the reader, Hey, you know, if you get this right, if you keep reading, this is what it's going to lead to. So it's kind of all about teasing that next benefit for the reader and pulling them down a path. The, the one thing I just, I just want to double click on again is it's, it's not shock value. Okay. It's, it's just realize that there's so much opportunity in taking a moment to question the status quo. Why does everyone say what they say? You know, don't like, just think about it. Like why, why has that become so tried and true? Do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? This is what writing is all about. Writing is about thinking. So take something that people have accepted, right? Think about all of these things that we're sharing here with you, right? All this is, is just me and Dickie for a, for a long time being like, hey, uh, who says you have to go into the forest and rent a cabin and write a novel for three years in silence? That's, I don't agree with that, right? So then what's the controversial opinion opener? You don't need to go into the forest and spend three years writing your novel, period, right? So just take a second to think about it and then build an argument in a different direction. And, and I think if you, if you go back to that real quick, the second sentence, he could get rid of it entirely because he says there aren't necessarily inherently bad downsides, mm -hmm. but that should just be gone. It should be there downsides, to, right? Because then it's like, here's some downsides, but maybe they're not. But, you know, so, so go and say, here are the downsides of using gamification. Do with that what you will, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think gamification is great, but these are the things you should keep in mind. So just less hedging, I think, is a, a way to, if we're going to come up with a framework for this one, it's don't hedge with your, with your opinions. That's, that's exactly right. I mean, look at how much faster, I'm glad you pointed that out. Look at how much faster the piece moves if you delete that and you say, there are downsides to using gamification. The first is acclimatization of gamification, right? We're like, we're in it. Before the reader has even decided whether or not they want to be in it, they're in it. But the second sentence is like a, 
hey, before you pull off the highway, we just want to make sure, you know, are you sure you want to take this turn? No, you don't want to give, you don't want that. Just don't even give the reader the option, right? There are downsides. The first is this. The second is this. It leads to this, which is why it's this, right? It's just boom, 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 boom. And that's what causes this speed. You know, a great copywriter, Gary Halpert, uh, called it the slippery slope, right? You want the reader just coasting down this slippery slope. And every time you deviate, right, you go, there's downsides to using gamification. Well, not necessarily. You just took, you just gave them the option for a detour which means they're not coasting down your slippery slope. So really try and slow down the thinking of, I'm saying this, this is the next point, this is the next point, we land here, right? It should all be linear, linear thinking, slippery slope. Okay, another personal favorite, Dickie, I know this has become a, a favorite for yours as well, is the, the moment in time opener, okay? So the moment in time opener is literally nothing more than adding a sense of time to whatever you're saying. So notice the difference between this first sentence, you know, uh, I once heard a motivational speaker quote, Jim Rohn versus years ago, I heard a motivational speaker quote from Jim Rohn versus in, in 1974, I was sitting in a conference room with 300 other people, and we all heard this timeless quote from motivational speaker Jim Rohn, right? The more that you add in these little details of year, time, date, uh, 20 years ago, on my fifth birthday, right? Like all of these little phrases are planting the reader in a moment. And it makes what they're reading suddenly feel like this big, grandiose story. It goes from I'm telling you something to in 1974, a little known entrepreneur, right? And next thing you know, they're like, whoa, I'm being taken on a journey. And all you did was just add in 1974, right? Dickie, what was the tweet? Uh, do you remember what it was where we did this? Yeah, it was the... Um, the David Ogilvy thread yeah. where all it was, was instead of saying he did this, I, we added two words in 1984 or in 1992, mm -hmm. whenever he ended up writing it. And it just transported every reader like, Oh, I'm being taken on a trip. I need my cup of coffee and my warm blanket because we, I'm being told a story. I'm transported somewhere. And this I have a bunch of kind of zero to one writing moments that I've learned from Cole. And this is one of them. This is, you just add two words and it completely changes the way you talk about just about anything that's ever happened in the past. Whether mm -hmm. you're telling a personal story, a story of someone else, that little positioning reframe that kind of transports a reader to a different time and place. Uh, it's just such an easy way to get them hooked. It's, it's one of these like so underrated, often glossed over techniques. Again, it's, it's so funny. I feel like whenever we point things out, like at least half the time, you know, someone's like, eh, like we're just talking about words. These are just little word tricks, right? Well, what do you think writing is? Like these, of course, they're, they're there for a reason, right? And so one thing that I really want you to pay attention to is the next time you go scrolling through Twitter, Notice when, when one of those really viral uh, story threads pops up in your feed, notice how many use this technique. Uh, in, in 1952, two uh, little known entrepreneurs started a business that everyone said wouldn't succeed, right? What makes that feel like a story is in 1952. You feel like you're being taken back to a moment in time. And you can use this in so many different ways. You can use it as an opener. You can use it halfway through the piece. You can use it as a conclusion. You could use it in the title if you want. But there's something about grounding the reader in the moment that is so, so effective. All right, another great, uh, another personal favorite here. This is one that I've used on many uh, viral uh, answers on Quora is this vulnerable statement opener. So... This is a hard one for people to kind of learn how to figure out because you have to use your own judgment as to how vulnerable you want to be. 
So here, this is very like simple vulnerable, right? It, I felt like an imposter calling myself an angel investor. You know, we're not really revealing any like dirty laundry here, right? We're basically just like, hey, I, I, I felt like an imposter investing money, right? I mean, it's not, yeah, there's some vulnerability there, but it's not like the most vulnerable thing that you could ever say, right? So vulnerability exists on a spectrum and you can decide how vulnerable you want to be about any given topic. You can be vulnerable about fears. You can be vulnerable about aspirations. You can be vulnerable about things that happened in your life, things that you're going through, things that someone else went through, you know, as long as it leads to the story or the point that you want to make. The reason it's so effective as an opener is because we love reading about vulnerabilities, right? I, I love as a reader feeling like I get to know the writer. I feel like they're sharing something with me. And the, vulner, the vulnerable opener usually leads to, very easily leads to a story, right? You go, it's like here, I felt like an imposter calling myself an angel investor. While on calls with other angel investors, you could always find me anxious, anxiously searching for startup jargon, term sheets, valuation, cape table, oh my, right? We're going like, it just flows. It's like, oh, I'm sharing something with you. And I just, I want to expand on this for a little bit. And then things changed. Notice this, things changed when I received this book. Right. So the reason why I love um, vulnerable statement openers is because it's one of those things where you plant your flag there and then it becomes very clear to you where to take the story, where to take the insight, where to take the perspective. Um, but it's also a technique that isn't for everyone. Some people really, really thrive with the vulnerable statement openers and they tell personal stories and like that is their thing. And other people write, you know, more logically. Um, it's more like breaking things down, frameworks, news, uh, tips, things like that. I personally think that there's benefit in learning how to do both, but um, it's kind of up, up to you to, to decide. Dickie, is this one that you've uh, played, played much with? This one to me is because so much of what I write is about what I've learned in the last two years. And so I open up sometimes with what my old way of thinking was. So when I picture, okay, I'm writing this to my one year ago self, what was his way of thinking? And then I say, it, I kind of mix it up with a moment in time. A year ago, I thought X or a year mm -hmm. ago, one of my biggest struggles was Y. And here's how I solved it. So what it does, I think is creates a, uh, relationship with the reader immediately of like, I've been where you are. So the vulnerable statement is if you're writing to someone that you think could be in that vulnerable state or whatever problem it is you're solving, creating empathy right away of I've been exactly where you are, makes them feel heard, kind of understood, and then they're going to be hooked from the beginning. Some uh, let, Let's do a quick exercise because I think this is so, it, this is so revealing. Um, most of the time, whenever we talk about the vulnerable statement openers or vulnerable writing in general, I find that most people, their first thought, which is a very inner critic thought, is no one's going to care. Who cares about my story, right? Who, who cares? We all go through things in life, right? And as a reality, then they miss out on what has a lot of potential. You know, again, you don't have to go airing dirty laundry. You can just share something like, hey, this is something I experienced. I think this, this might be um, universal or this might resonate with other people. So just as an exercise, throw in the chat, what is, and just see if you can put it in one sentence, one sentence of something that you've experienced that is sharing something, right? Here, I felt like an imposter calling myself an angel investor right? What, it, what can you say in one sentence? And what you're probably going to see is that there is an entire story crammed into one sentence. You know, my one that I used over and over again, uh, Joe, I've driven legally drunk more than 500 times in my life. That's concerning, but you know what? I would <laughs> love to hear about that, right? I was terrified when I became a first-time manager. Okay, so now I want to know, right? What were you scared of? How did you overcome that? What were some of the things that went on? I felt like an imposter going to Wharton's, oh, chat's moving fast now, Wharton women's events when I didn't go to Wharton. Oh, 
that's like a, that's like a mystery story right there. I want to know how did you get there, right? Why were you there? What were some of the things that you learned? I felt like a failure DNFing the first marathon or the half marathon Sunday. I don't know what DNFing is, but I would love to learn. I did not finish maybe. Oh, shared my mental health struggles and how I learned to come out of it stronger with actionable tips. Great. Right. So now how can you just say that in one sentence, right? Where were you in, in 1999, I was the most anxious I'd ever been. Oh, okay. Well, now I want to know what happens, right? Struggles of being a solopreneur. Yeah. I resonate with that one. I've struggled to ask for help plenty of times. Uh, born in a remote Chinese mud hut. I waitress my way to a PhD in space telescope design. Amazing. Phoenix. Yeah. Your story is incredible. Like there's so many moments in time where you can just say, Hey, here's something that happened to me, right? Here's something that I learned here. Here was a, here was a time or place or incident where I didn't know if I was going to come out on top, right? This, it is such a simple technique. I terrified I will bomb as a podcaster, right? Okay. Amazing. First sentence. When I first started my podcast, I was terrified I was going to bomb. And then you start telling the story and then you that tell could be other 50 people. different articles, a thousand so different articles. This exactly. This is my point. Can you tell right? the story there, about this with your world of Warcraft call? I was just going to say there, there was a sentence that I found, which is hilarious to me now, but, uh, when I was a teenager, I was a pro world of Warcraft player and I was very insecure about it. No one at my school knew that I was like one of the highest ranked gamers in the entire country. I kept it to myself. Nobody knew. And I went to college and I never told anyone about it. And then I started writing stories about my experiences and I started writing them a lot on the internet. And what I realized was that every single time I wrote about it, my piece would perform well. And there was a sentence that I noticed other people started using to describe my writing on Quora. And the sentence was, when I was 17 years old, I was one of the highest ranked World of Warcraft players in North America. And I have written, I am not exaggerating, probably close to five or 600 pieces on the internet that all start with that exact same first sentence. And it goes like this. When I was 17 years old, I was one of the highest ranked World of Warcraft players in North America. Here's what that taught me about work ethic, one piece. Here's what that taught me about friendships, another piece. Here's what that taught me about managing my schedule as a teenager, another piece. And it was the same exact sentence that sparked dozens and dozens and dozens of different stories and pieces and ways of thinking and perspectives. So this vulnerable statement opener is a way of you going, Here's where I started. I was afraid to start a podcast, right? And then I learned these skills. I was afraid to start a podcast. And then I learned, oh, there's not that much to be afraid of. You just need these couple tools to get started. I was afraid to start a podcast. Then I found a podcast community. Here's some of the people that influenced me, right? One vulnerable statement opener leads to dozens and dozens and dozens of pieces. So this is another one of those zero to one moments where people think like, I don't have that much to say. <laughs> and then really you say one thing and it just causes all this other material to unfold. I, I think with that, it's a one experience. You don't, you've learned a million things from every single kind of big experience you've had. Right. And so <clears throat> using that, it's both a vulnerable and almost a credibility where it's like, I've learned this lesson because I've done this, right? This entire, like I, when you start with, I was a professional World of Warcraft gamer, what that encapsulates is years of experience into a single sentence. Yeah. So the number of ways that I can go, I learned about productivity. I learned about happiness. I learned about making money. I learned about writing. I learned about working hard. I learned about addiction, right? Every single thing starts with, here's this years of experience and I've summarized it in a single sentence. And every single person has that. Every single person in this chat has that experience, whether it's a, a long life one, whether it's a something you've done in the last few years, something you've learned, right? 
in the last two years, I went from zero followers to 70,000, right? I could open 50 pieces with that exact line and say, here's what I've learned about this, 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 this. And every single person is going to go, I bet this is true because that is a, a fact and an encapsulation of a ton of experience. Yes, that's exactly right. And that, that speaks to the, the, there's a question in the chat of, you know, basically I, I, I'm hesitant to talk about myself. Right. And there's a whole section in my uh, book about this, where if you're talking to someone at a dinner party and they're just like, oh, I own a ton of real estate and I, I own the whole coast here and I've, I've made millions and millions of dollars and I'm amazing. Right. You're like, oh, that person's an egotistical asshole. Right. But if the person goes first sentence of the piece, uh, I built a, a mega million dollar real estate fund in less than five years. And I now own half the coast of California. And I want to tell you something. It's not as hard as you think. Now you don't think they're an egotistical asshole. You think they're someone really credible who's going to pass something along to you. That's really valuable. And then the whole rest of the piece, you go, I trust you because you did it. And what can I learn from you? Right? So we're not talking about like achievement for achievement's sake. We're talking about how can you compress a story down into a moment, a feeling, you know, a vulnerable statement or something that you've accomplished and then build from there. And all, and then over time you you become known for that. Just like, I can't tell you how many podcasts I've been on where the, the person introduces me and says, Hey, and, uh, and when you were a teenager, right? I mean, you, I think you were a, a pro world, world of Warcraft player. Where did they get that from? I gave them the language, right? I wrote it, they adopted it. So this is a very powerful technique for, for doing that. And then here's the, the last one, weird, unique insight. I love this essay. My wife can boil a dozen, a dozen of eggs in seven minutes. That is really, I, I didn't wake up that morning thinking I wanted to know that, but that is an interesting and weird thing. And now I want to read more, right? There's something funky about saying things that are off kilter, right? And you're like, wait, how did this happen? Why, why is this a thing? And you can, you can do this across a spectrum, right? Here, this is a little bit more playful, kind of done from a personal story perspective, but you can also go far into the professionalism realm. You see this in ads all the time, right? Hey, do you know like this one weird stock is causing people to make hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? And you're like, oh, what? Now I'm interested, right? So you can decide how you want to play with it, but really it's just how do you interrupt the pattern in the reader's mind and how do you show them something that they're not used to seeing? I just love that story. <laughs> I love that one. But okay, so quickly drop in the chat, which opener have you used in the past and which opener are you going to use in the future? So we went through five. Cole, you want to flip back through them yeah, real quick? Yeah, I'll go to uh, the opening the side. Door. Yeah. Which one are you going to put into practice tomorrow? Again, that's the best part is you get to try this again tomorrow or today yeah. if you haven't heard yet. Play with them. Controversial opinion, vulnerable statement, moment in time is so fun. I really encourage you to play with it. Lots of them, lots of them here. Myths, that's a, yeah. Controversial can also be grouped together with like dispelling myths. It's an amazing way to over to introduce a piece. Yeah, Sam, try try multiple throughout a, throughout one atomic essay. It's actually really cool when you start to stack them on top of each other. You can see how much more compressed each section gets because you have more clarity around what it is that we're that you're saying. Love it. All right, we got a couple minutes. Let's keep going because I've one more thing I want to introduce here, which is, okay, so this skimmability portion, right? We're talking about the formatting side. So what this really means is anytime 
that you're listing or talking about more than one thing, which is pretty much all the time, right? Even if you're talking about one thing, you usually have multiple ideas within that one thing. You have different things that you want to touch on. You want to separate the thoughts with section dividers. And those section dividers are these subheads. And the reason we practice with atomic essays and we, we evangelize that writing style is because Atomic essays, everything that you use in an atomic essay is transferable to every other type of online writing. This is how you construct great Quora answers. This is how you write medium articles. This is how you write long form blog posts and content marketing on websites. This is how you organize newsletters, right? This is all just formatting techniques. And the easiest way to do this is to group ideas together with subheads. So just to show you how this looks, right? So here, anytime you're listing out two or more items in steps or a list or, um, you know, do, do one, two, three to accomplish X, okay, look at how easy this is to skim because each one of these things is bolded and separated, okay? So this is one of those, it's such an underrated thing. Like people think this doesn't matter when really this is the number one way that readers judge what's happening. They visually look at a piece and go, does this look, not does this read, does this look like it's something that's going to be easy to read? And if the answer is no, they're probably going to click away. So anytime you have a list, you want to separate out in the list, point one bold, point two bold, point three bold. And like here, you can, you know, group them together or you can space them out more and make them larger sections. Yeah, this framework to me is assume your reader is lazy. Assume they want nothing to do with doing a lot of work to read your piece. And so the more you can make it very digestible for them, we'll talk about a little framework I call the one ship rule on, on Friday. But yeah, you, you want them just to get started and not feel intimidated, right? I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but when you see a, a piece that opens with a big wall of text or is poorly formatted, I just, at this point, it could be written, I don't care who writes it. I just don't, I don't, maybe it's a, not the best thing, but I just don't read it. Like if yeah. you're not going to give me any jumping off points, any skimmability, any, because to me, they're basically saying what I have to say is so important that you have to go out there and do all the work. I'm not going to help you at all because I'm the writer. I know everything. I'm going to, I'm going to write this in uniform text as one big block with no separations. And it's so good that you're going to read it anyway. And to me, that is it, just it not the is. right way of doing things. Right. It, ne it never is that important. So there's a reason why this works. So here's another, uh, and um, Ben, I see your question in the chat too about bolding words. So here, just notice how bolding draws your eyes to different parts of the page. Okay. So instinctually, you see that these three darker bolded sections, you just kind of know intuitively, this is section one, this is section two, this is section three. Okay. So uh, anytime that you're thinking, okay, here's the journey I want to take the reader on. Here's how I want to organize my thoughts. The easiest place to start is going, what's the first point I want to make? What's the second point I want to make? What's the third point I want to make? It's the, the reason why we talk about lists so often is because lists are the easiest ways to understand how this works, right? You have step number one, step number two, step number three, reason number one, reason number two, reason number three, right? But it's, you can just as easily also remove the number and just say, this is the first thing that's important. This is the second thing that's important. Third thing that's important. So first, that's the, the first big thing is like grouping your ideas together and separating them by subheads. And if you notice the page then almost gets divided very evenly into thirds. That's what you want. You want this visual, like it visually looks organized right? Versus other pieces where if it's like, I have a small intro, I have a huge first point, I have a small second point, and I have like a microscopic third point. The reader is like, why are you giving so much real estate to the first point? And the second and third points don't really get anything. 
right? You want to tell the reader, hey, I'm giving equal weight to each thing that I'm saying because each of these are important for you to understand the full piece. That's, that's really the thing that the reader's picking up on very subconsciously. Second is then you notice how some of these sentences are bolded within each section, okay? This is a stylistic decision. Personally, I think that it ends up leading to more confusion, right? The more that you bold, the more the reader doesn't know what you're drawing emphasis to. So I tend to not use bolding much in sentences. If I do, it's literally like one word or one phrase in the entire piece, because that's like the one thing that I want to draw attention to. But otherwise, this rule of thumb, right? The more that you bold, the more that you italicize, the, the less emphasis it has. You're diluting the feature over and over again. Yeah, there's a couple different frameworks that we're going to talk about for this one where you can have your subheads tell a story or they stand alone. Um, you can have, oh, sorry, I just messed up my, I lost what I was seeing. Um, your subheads can tell a story. Your bold can only say, you know, there's a couple different ways of thinking about this one, but my always go-to is I try not to bold anything that doesn't stand on its own. So bolding sub parts of sentences, I don't think is that effective. I'd rather bold a whole sentence and make them read it. Um, and then same with subheads. I think they should stand alone where you read down it and it's kind of like, oh, I kind of get what this piece is saying because um, where a reader's eyes usually go is it's the headline, it's the subheads, it's the bold, and then the first sentence. That's at least where mine goes. So mm -hmm. um, that kind of hierarchy, I think, is something you could think about. The reader will always skim your subheads first. Period. End of story. So if you think of, you know, where do you spend the most time? Where I spend the most time is nailing the headline and then nailing the subheads. Mm -hmm. I want my subheads to be so valuable that all the reader has to do is read the subheads. They don't even have to read the rest of the piece. They read the subheads, they understand it, they get it. And they're like, that's everything, that's everything I needed to know. Thanks. Because if you can accomplish that, then they're going to give you their attention and read the whole thing. If you can't accomplish that and your subheads are just like, you know, like this is what people do. Again, trying to be mystic and creative, right? Subhead number one, try. Subhead number two, do. Subhead number three, succeed, right? And so then the reader is only skimming those three subheads and they're like, you writer are expecting me to read the rest of the section to understand what you're saying. I reject that. I'm gone. I'm going to go watch a cat dance to the Rick Roll video on TikTok, right? That's how it happens. So a very easy way of practicing this is going point number one, point number two, point number three. And how do you make each one of those points say the thing that you want to say in as much brevity and as much specificity as you can so that the reader is reading the subheads and going, I got it, I got it, I got it. Oh, I love that. Now I'll go back and read the whole piece. Mm. And then here's just one final one. We're going to talk real quick about uh, writing rhythms, but this you can see there's this very, um, there's something very soothing about looking at something that's formatted well. You know, here you're alternating between bolded sentences and then little bits of description. This is, uh, San Sanjeet was in some of the earlier cohorts of Ship 30 and he's just written amazing, amazing fiction stories uh, using the atomic essay template. And this is a really cool way of changing things up, you know, and here he's kind of putting impactful moments in bold and then descriptions below it. It makes it very easy to just fly down the page. So it's, again, it's not that there's like one holy truth. It's that what you want to think about is how do I make it easy for the reader's eyes to fly through what I'm reading? And when you do that, you keep their attention. When you don't do that, you're giving them reasons to click away. You're giving them reasons to give up. I want to talk about 131. So let's make sure we get there. Let's do it real quick. Okay. This is, 
Okay, so you have visual formatting, you have like the boldings of each section. And now within each section, you have one final opportunity to make it very easy to get the reader to fly through each section, right? So you wanna create these waves in your writing. So the wave is, I see the subhead, I understand what it's about, I'm interested, I read the first sentence, I fall into the main paragraph, I read the quick conclusion, and then I read the next subhead. And this wave is what keeps readers feeling like they're just flying down the page. It gives a lot of musicality to the, to the writing. So here, I just want to illustrate this, all right? The one three, one writing rhythm. The way you hook the reader is with one opening sentence, okay? Then once the reader has been hooked, you explain what you mean in more detail. You tell them a quick story. You give them a, a description they can hold on to, just like this slide, okay? So this is how it looks, one three, one. Okay, so here, uh, this is a template I created inside TypeShare. A lot of these templates have the 131 as examples kind of built into them. So if you want to practice with them, I encourage you to play with the templates in TypeShare. But here, right, 131, in this first sentence, say the mistake. Now in the second paragraph, describe the moment where you made that mistake. You know, where were you? Who were you with? What was the context of the situation? Then describe how it made you feel. And then in this sentence, share what you learned as a result. And so what happens is you can stack these on top of each other. You have subhead 131, subhead 131, subhead 131. And the reader doesn't know what's happening, right? The reader is just going, wow, this is so easy for me to read. But you know you're stacking these Lego blocks on top of each other, and it makes the piece visually look so well-organized, so professional, right? It's like, it, it, it gives off the feeling that you constructed this very deliberately. And then if you want to expand it, you expand the middle. Okay. So you keep the single sentence opener and you keep the single sentence closer and you expand the middle. You can do one, three, one, you can do one, four, one, you can do one, five, one, you can do one, six, one, you can do one, seven, one, right? But there's something very pleasurable for the reader where the bulk of what you're saying has two milestones. It has the first sentence, they fly through it, and it has the last sentence, it's the reward. And you can do this, you could do this all the way down the page for an 80,000 word book and the reader wouldn't know what's happening. They would just go, this is amazing. So I just, we share this because when you think about your own formatting, right? You can use 131 in the intro, then first subhead, then 131, then subhead, then 141, then subhead, then 131 again. And all of a sudden now you've got a beautifully constructed, easy to read piece. And the reader goes, wow, you must be doing this for, for a long time. You must be a professional. And you're like, yeah, I guess I am now, right? So it's very, very, very easy to execute. Questions, I know we're, we're going over tons, tons today. Here, um, I think, questions and then drop in the chat any of your so one through one to me is the biggest zero to one moment i've ever learned from call i i use it to write emails i use it to write slack messages i use it just about every day um so i love that one we're going to talk make sure we spend a little bit more time on it friday because it got kind of chopped up here towards the end but here cole is the next slide the drop in the chat your biggest uh, i think it might have um gone away but so let's go back on this one. Drop your golden nugget in the chat. What's the one thing you're taking away from this one with um, something you're going to put in practice, whether it's an opener, it's a one, three, one, it's a bold subhead. What is your kind of immediate takeaway before we jump into some breakout rooms? Dun, dun, dun. One, three, one, one, three, one. Yeah. One, three, one stacking. It's a big one. One three one stacking is was seriously one of the biggest zero to one moments for my own writing I've ever had. Hooks over and over again. I mean that you know if you really want to give yourself a writing challenge for the next few days, try using one three one one four one all the way down the page, and at the at in the first sentence of each one three one sequence use a different opener and you will see how much 
more like dramatically engaging your writing becomes by just alternating different openers and switching out the first sentence of each one through one sequence. It's like night and day. All right. Well, we're going to talk a bunch more on some of these frameworks, kind of let you tangibly walk away with them. So why don't we jump into some breakout rooms for anyone who can stick around? We'll do some quick ones, 15, 20 minutes this week. Um, but love to see your golden nuggets as they've been coming in. So let's do some, some openers. And what you can do is mix up the opener with the um, one through one writing rhythm. So mm -hmm. other than, you know, we'll do breakout rooms of three or four. Start with reading the first sentence of one of your atomic essays. See if you've used any kind of opener. What I think you'll first find is that the first sentence doesn't stand alone. So that's your immediate upgrade is you can break that out into its own and then try and reconstruct for one of your essays, a one, three, one opener. So that should be everyone's goal. Reconstruct a one, three, one opener with some, one of the declarative um, sentence or declarative opener. So we'll share the slide on the five types of openers. Use that one, construct a one, three, one. And then afterwards we'll come and check everyone's out after but if you got to jump, all good as well. 